Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm excited to be starting our new message series called The Helper this morning. Towards the end of Jesus' life on earth, he promised to send his disciples a helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. The aim of this series is to really learn what it means to walk by the Spirit moment by moment, day by day. And I think that walking by the Spirit, it's a fuzzy term for a lot of us. I am one year into my doctorate of, of ministry degree, and we're currently working on our project proposals. And what that means is we give a proposal uh, to our professors, and then they give us feedback. And they keep coming back and saying things like, like you see on this picture, that's fuzzy language. Uh, what do you mean by that? Fuzzy language is when the person reading the term doesn't know the goal. It's, it's vague in how to accomplish what you're talking about. And I think a lot of us feel that way about walking by the Spirit. So this series really aims to clarify what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, uh, it gives the Christ follower power to live life God's way, yet we are not quite clear on what it really means to walk in the Spirit. When the definition that you can come up with for something includes the words that are in in there, uh, then it's it's usually not a very clear term to you. And I think that's that's how it is. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? A lot of us would be like, well, you you walk in the Spirit. <laughs> that's that's what you do. And so today we are going to look at who is the helper? There's an event towards the end of Jesus Christ's life on earth that reveals a lot about the helper. And so we're going to take a look at when Jesus reveals the helper is coming to the disciples. Now we're going to be starting in the middle of this uh, series of events that, that is going on. And just a quick recap before we get started is Jesus and his disciples are um, having the feast of the Passover. And the disciples have been following Jesus around for three or four years. Um, he's been teaching them the way of the kingdom of God. And here at the feast, we see Jesus, the teacher, get up in the middle of it, and he goes and he washes the disciples' feet. Then after he washes the disciples' feet, the disciples, um, he he declares that one of them is going to betray him, hand him over to the authorities. And they ask who it is, and Jesus reveals that it is Judas who is going to betray him. Judas leaves the feast, um, and he goes to betray Jesus. And after Judas leaves, look at what Jesus says here. He said, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you're, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is very important for what we see happening next in this, this historical event. In verse 33, Jesus is revealing, yet a little while 
I am with you. Jesus is saying he's not going to be around with the disciples for very much longer. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes at this point. You've been with Jesus for three to four years. He's been teaching you. He's been giving you ministry assignments. They've been dependent on Jesus telling them, what, where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? What is it like to live in the kingdom of God? Jesus has been declaring all of this to them. Now he's saying, I'm not going to be with you for much longer. Think about that. Wouldn't that be a jarring realization? The Son of God who you've been following, He's no longer going to be with you to tell you how to live life the right way, how to advance God's kingdom. He's not going to be there anymore. If I'm in that group, I'm starting to pay a lot of attention to what Jesus is saying. If He's not going to be around here much longer, I need to really turn up and listen to what He's saying and look what He says right after He says He's not going to be there for very much longer. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Not only does it say to love one another, but it says that that's what God's people should be known for. They should be known by how they love one another. Brings up the question, is, is that, is our church known for how we love one another? Well, th- this love isn't love by how the culture would define it. Our culture seems to have love in a category of you let people do whatever they want. But this love is real love. The Bible was, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Greek. And the word for love here is agape. It means that you act in the best interest of someone before God. That's real love. Our culture sees love backwards from the way the Bible says. Like I said, loving someone's been equated to just letting them do whatever they want. It's not love to let someone go on in a destructive life pattern. It is is loving to act in the best interest of someone before God. So we bear one another's burdens, like it talks about Galatians 6 too. We don't leave people on their own when they're going through really hard times. We also speak the truth and encourage one another when they so that they aren't hardened by sin's deceitfulness, like it says in Hebrews 3:13. My junior year in high school, I needed to have back surgery. And it, it was, I was in a lot of pain. I was unable to play baseball. Uh, the day that I got the second opinion that the doctor said, you need to have back surgery. Your back's not going to be fixed on its own. And he also said, and I wouldn't advise you playing baseball any further than, than high school because the twisting is, it's just not going to be good for your, for your back. I was, throwing a pity party the rest of the day. I was crushed. My my goals were were over, seemingly stopped, and I just didn't want to talk to anybody the rest of the day. I went into my room, 
my student ministry leader, he came by later that day and he encouraged me to respond to that situation in faith. It was not what I wanted to hear, but it was what I needed to hear. And he loved me enough to say it, not knowing how I would react to what he said. Jesus' followers should be known how they act in the best interest of that person before God. That is the command that we see from Jesus right here. Right after he says he's going to be gone in a little bit, he commands the disciples to love one another. Think about a time when you were given a responsibility. Uh, maybe at work, you're learning a new uh, skill at work or new orientation to what you're going to be doing, or a time in math class where the, they taught you what to do and then the teacher gave you some really challenging homework. Or maybe you can think back to the first time you're having a baby and you're, they're, they're telling you it's time for you to go home and take the baby and you're thinking, I'm not so sure about that. You sure that you want, I can take care of this baby when we go home? What do we do when we don't feel prepared for some responsibility we're about to get? You start asking questions. Lots and lots of questions to try to get your mind around what are we going to be doing next. You can imagine the concern that is building up in the disciples as they hear Jesus say he's not going to be around for much longer. And the disciples, what they do next is what we do when we get situations like that. They start asking questions. Lots of questions. Simon Peter asks, says, he says, Lord, where, where are you going? And then he asks if he can, if he can go with Jesus. Jesus replies to him. And then Thomas asks this question. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I think that's a very fair question. They have been dependent on Jesus, telling them where to go and, and what to do next. And, and so he's wondering, how do we know? What's the way? Look how Jesus responds to him. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus knows what's coming next for him. He's going to be betrayed. One of his closest followers. He already knows who it is. He's going to die on the cross. Having never sinned. He's lived a perfect life. He doesn't deserve this death on the cross. And his disciples are asking, how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, a life that you can choose. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Take a look at this short video that explains how to restore your relationship with God through the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ. So we live in this world, and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see there are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world, but this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. 
Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So he's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And his body is broken for us. And three days after he dies, he rose from the dead and he made a way out of brokenness. And people try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion, things like success or relationships, education or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue his design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent, just like Jesus, back into brokenness to help others come through him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So, where do you think you are? If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life yet, then... I invite you to reach out, talk to somebody here at Church in the Valley. We have a box on the back of the connection card that says contact me about beginning a relationship with Christ. Or um, if you just want to talk to somebody about it, you can write in the comment section on the back of the connection card. We'd love to talk with you about that. Jesus is telling Thomas that continuing to follow Jesus is the way forward. Jesus had taught them. The way as they spent time together. The disciples need to keep moving forward in the way that they've been going. And, And Jesus doesn't just leave it at that. Look at what he says in John 14, 25 through 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom... The Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus is leaving the earth soon. He promises to leave the disciples with the Helper, the Holy Spirit. The person that confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, That person is saved from eternal separation with God. Their relationship with Him is restored. And they receive the Helper to live inside of them, to help them. The Helper teaches them all things and brings to remembrance what the Bible says about how to live life. Who is the Helper? It's God's Spirit. And God the Father sends His Spirit to reside inside His followers to help us. Have you ever looked at a Christ follower going through a really difficult time in their life and you've wondered, how are they doing that? You look at their situation and you think, that would crush me. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or broken relationships or financial loss or difficulty in school. There's some people at CIV that are going through really hard times right now. Lots of trials. How do they do it? 
How do they show up each week at church and serve and sing praises to God? They do it because they have the Helper inside of them, reminding them, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. God's Spirit, the Helper, comforts them. And the Helper reminds them of Hebrews 10, 25, It says, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, God's people comfort them and give them courage in the face of the trials that they're facing. Jesus promises the helper to his followers. And with the helper, God's people can do extraordinary things. When we moved into this building For the first time back in December, we tore down some walls. We did a deep cleaning all in less than a week's time from when we got the keys to when we had our first Sunday. Here's a couple pictures from that week. Conservative estimate is that more than 200 volunteer hours um, happened that week. They were dusting, cleaning windows, scrubbing bathrooms, and a lot more. Why would so many people do that? They want to help and they see a need. Sure, yes, that's the case. But who volunteers to come and scrub toilets at night after they're tired from a long day at work or being with the kids at home? Well, God's people do. The Helper reminds them of our God who came into this world as Jesus Christ and served people He washed his followers' feet. And God's people are reminded of that and they yield to the Holy Spirit's prompting and act in line with his ways. So how do we learn to walk in the Spirit more and more? Experiencing the blessing of living life God's way. We're going to be looking at that throughout September here at CIV in this message series called The Helper. And it helps to know what the Holy Spirit does in a person's life. So we're going to look at the helper's role. And the helper's role, one of the roles, is to convict the world of their sin and give them spiritual life. John 16.8 says, And when he, and the he is talking about the helper, the Holy Spirit, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit has a crucial role in someone making Jesus the Lord of their life. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts people of the sin in their life and makes them realize their need for a Savior. In fact, the ways in the Bible, are going to sound like foolishness to those who don't have the helper. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to them. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's easy for the world to scoff at God's ways because they're backwards from how we think life should work. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I mean, everybody knows that if you want to be refreshed, you have to take care of yourself, right? How am I going to be refreshed if I'm focusing on other, other people? But that's what God says to do here. 
in Proverbs 11.25, and I've experienced the reality of this verse. I've focused on myself and tried to get refreshment, and I can't find it. And then I've decided to go do the dishes and help around the house and try to be a refreshment to my family. And when I do that, all of a sudden I have energy again. I'm refreshed. God's ways are true and real. And the Spirit convicts us when we're not living in line with His ways. And He helps us to live life God's way, even when it seems backwards from the way we think life should work. I want to say one more thing about the Helper's role to convict us of our sin. That's very comforting to me. That my job's not to convict somebody of of what's true or what what um, of their sin. It really takes the pressure off of all of God's people that our job's to proclaim His ways, to be witnesses of what Christ did on the cross and, and God's ways, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the person, to help them to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Another role of the Spirit is that He changes us. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7 says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Holy Spirit helps someone to change. And it helps them to choose to do life God's way, like we see in this example here in First Thessalonians. The Holy Spirit also empowers us. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. There is power that comes when we walk by the Spirit. God gives us the power to be His witnesses throughout the world. He empowers us to advance God's kingdom. He empowers us to live life God's way. There's power that comes from the Helper. The Helper also guides us. John John 16.13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Helper produces really good things in our life. He helps us have spiritual life, changes us, empowers us, guides us throughout life. Remember John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Helper empowers God's people to love like Jesus loved. Sacrificial love. Acting in the best interest of someone before God. The second half of last year was filled with trials for our family. My wife had ulcerative colitis for over 15 years and gone through a few medicines and they they all stopped working. She ended up in the hospital uh, five different times over the the last six months of the year, she had three surgeries in those last uh, six months. 
the week she went into the hospital, I started my doctorate. And in the middle of everything, uh, while it was going on, the church was meeting in the park, and then we were moving into the building. And I look back, and I'm, I'm not sure how I got through it all, except that God strengthened me through His Spirit. But God's people loved us like Christ during that time. When Gina went into the hospital for the first time, my head was spinning. She's in pain. She's sicker than I've ever seen her. I I don't know what's going on, how this is going to all end, if it's going to end well or, or not. Same time, I have four kids that need to be taken care of. I had responsibilities to handle at church. All I could do was cry out to God and say something like, like this. I say, God, I, I don't know why you're allowing this to happen. I don't want it. I, I, um, I don't know what to do. I will trust you, but I need your help. Almost immediately, my phone started blowing up. A text, a phone call. It's unusual for me. My wife, not so much. She gets, her phone blows up all the time. But what was happening was it was God's people in, in CIV offering to help us in this situation. Watch the kids. Bring dinners. Let me know how we can help. We, we want to help. See, what was happening in that moment was I cried out to God the Father for help. God's people started hearing that Gina was going into the hospital. Her health wasn't doing well. And the helper... God the Spirit prompted them to love us. And people took those promptings and acted on them to show us love to help us out in our time of need. Our friends planned a friends, they called it a friends camp week for our kids. Here's a picture of the binder that they put together that gave the kids some, some thing, things to look forward to during the week. And then our kids started receiving gifts from people, and we told them that you guys are having Christmas in July here. And here's a screenshot from a video we took to send somebody a thank you for the, the gifts they gave our kids. God has given us His Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing when you, when you stop and, and think about it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and helps us to love people like Christ loves them. He helps us to produce good fruit in our lives that we are going to look at later in this series. Imagine what life would look like if you could choose to do the right thing in each situation that you face with the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, God has given us power through His Spirit, power to change to conform us, to be like Christ, to stop doing the things we don't want to do, to start doing the things that are going to produce good things in our life. We just need to learn to walk with the Spirit moment by moment, day by day. And as we learn to do that, we will experience life to the fullest, the way God intended life to be. We're going to focus on figuring that out together in this series. And I look forward to seeing what God does 
in our lives as we learn to keep in step with the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Each week, we put together some next steps in response to the message because we don't want to just be hearers of the Word of God. We want to be doers. It talks about that in James 1 in in the New Testament part of the Bible. So here's some next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. First is to investigate what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. There's a book called Case for Faith, and we, we have it available. Um, we can mail it to you. Um, if, if you would like it, let us know in the connection card. Um, but this, this book um, was written by an atheist who was a journalist. He was an atheist, and his wife became a Christian. So he set out to disprove Christianity. Well, he ended up becoming a Christian. He's written several books. So this might be helpful to you as you're considering, do, do I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? Or is, this, is there something to this faith? Read, read the book. Investigate it. Or reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to, to have dialogue with you, conversations about what it means to follow Christ and why that is a faith that is, that is sure that won't be sinking sand in your life. Next, next step is to yield to the helper and fill in the blank. You can look over the roles of the helper. Is there a way that you've been resistant to the Holy Spirit's promptings of sin in your life or to change something or to give you power to do the right thing or to guide you? The helper is God's Spirit that wants to help us experience life to the fullest. Let's ask God for help to help us do that. God, we thank you so much for um, that you've sent your Spirit, the Helper, to um, live in us, to prompt us to live life your way. Lord, help us to listen to the Holy Spirit. Help us to, to act on what, it's, what He's telling us to do. And I just pray, Lord, that you would really help us to live life your way and experience life the way that you want us to. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.